Hey guys, welcome to my podcast, As You Are, where I chat to people about what makes them them and what they're passionate about. Today, I have the rapper Professor Green with me. Kind of can't believe he agreed to do this, but uh, here we are. (laughs) Today, we discuss his upbringing and his youth and what it was like growing up as a kid in the 90s. There may be some skating references there. We talk about the differences and similarities with hip-hop and metal, which we both see there's quite a lot and it's really cool how it's kind of changed over time. And we talk a lot about tattoos. So let's get into it. Today I've got Professor Green with me. Um, probably best known as being a rapper, a singer and a songwriter, but also makes some pretty sweet documentaries. Documentary, documentarian is a word actually, which oh, I, yeah? I love using. I'll drop that in anywhere I can. Oh man, I journalist didn't, I didn't now as well. Good. I write a column for the Book of Man. I have com. read this column; it's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, so, I, yeah, just just branching out, loads of plates. You're spinning. doing like a little bit of everything. A little bit, yeah, but back to the music more so now. Is that have you been missing it? Yeah, lots. I think I spent three years doing um, seven documentaries back to back, and none of them were very pink and fluffy. Yeah. Um, not very much I do is. And that was, uh, it was a bit of a drain on me. It was important that I put that much work into it. So I was, I'm kind of solidified in that, in that world. I can go back and make another documentary whenever I want now, but I needed to take some time out of living in other people's lives and just live in my own shoes for a while, work out if I still fit. And (laughs) and it's pretty heavy on yourself, like having watched them, like, yeah, yeah. I, engage, I'd, I'd have definitely found it very emotional doing them myself, you know. You do, because you engage with these people and you build up a rapport and you empathise, but beyond that, um, someone explained to me that it's actually altru- it's called altruism when you take on other people's oh, shit. shit. Cool. Yeah. So, okay, I, didn't know yeah. what the, I didn't know what the rules were here. But no, yeah, the rules so, are pretty chill. Cool, so yeah, you begin <laughs> to take on other people's shit. Um, and by I, got, I had enough of my own shit. Yeah. So I just had to take some time away from everything and pretty much everyone and put myself back together. And a lot of that happened in the studio. That makes sense. But you, the main thing is you enjoyed doing them, yes. right? Like yeah, you did enjoy it's, it. It's I mean, enjoying is a difficult... Yeah, it's yeah, a weird one, isn't it? Because people... It's, I could never be like, I really enjoyed making a documentary about my dad's my dad's suicide, but the result of the film was incredible. Yeah. And that, even that was bittersweet because you affect, you know, you, you realise how many people are affected by suicide or by depression and that was the reason that they were so touched by the film. But that's had a really positive effect for people. Some of the messages I've had from people about how much it's helped them understand what someone else has done or in some cases people have said to me it stopped them from doing what my dad did, which is um, you don't expect that yeah, sort of responsibility. Sure. Yeah. But then I, 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 I get people who come up to me and, you know, I got a message on Instagram last night from saying someone saying I'm having all of these problems with my mental health and it, when, I won't go into what she said was going on. And my only response to people in that situation is, I, you know, I can point you in a direction of where you can get help, but I'm definitely not qualified to help you with those problems. Yeah, but the key thing is, is that I agree, like you don't want to be giving people advice on, on, on that, but you've opened up. You've opened it up. Yeah, you there's know? a dialogue now. They're, yeah, exactly. People are talking. And there's and a much bigger conversation. It feels like it's okay to talk about it now. When I was growing up, I knew the word mental. He's mental. She's mental. I'm mental. Yeah. But I'm going mental. But there was no such thing as mental health. Whereas I go into schools now and kids are discussing mental health, which yeah. I think is brilliant. Yeah, like re- yeah, I think it's, I completely agree. Like People are really aware of it. I know like if I were to talk to my dad about his generation with it, 
if you didn't talk about it and if no. you were so if you were feeling anything you definitely bottled it up yeah. um and yeah you just pull, that. pull yourself together sam yeah yeah completely especially, especially if you're especially being male yeah for sure um okay looping back to people that don't know you super well mm-hmm. can you give me like <laughs> a 30 second sort of like this is me, this is my upbringing, this is my life. Because your upbringing... In 30 seconds. Well, you know, let's... Uh, 30 seconds <laughs> Let me expand is... on it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, let's add a bit. But you know what I mean? Like something just to... Yeah. Yeah, because you're... I didn't know a lot about your upbringing and I found it like A, very interesting mm-hmm. um, and B, kind of like, I don't know, opened up my mind quite a lot on things that I didn't know about. Yeah. Um, I started live 27th, the 11th, 1983 in East London. I was born to... Um, a mum who was 16, a dad who was 18. Mum was still living at home with her mum and her mum's mum, my great-grandmother, Edie, uh, as well as her two brothers. So there were six of us in a three-bedroom flat in Clapton. That's in Hackney, not Clapton, by the sea. Um, much, much much, happier to have been brought up in Clapton than Clapton, to be honest. No offence to anyone from Clapton. If you're listening, I just don't like the place very much. Um... And my mum was the first person to leave that house when I was a year old, although she was a more consistent figure throughout my life than my dad was, but my dad was the person who I had a a stronger bond with. It was weird. It was almost like I had the maternal bond with my dad and not my mum, which happens, I suppose. Um, But I ended up being brought up by my grandmother, and when she was out working three jobs a day from like four in the morning till seven at night, uh, it was my great-grandmother, really, and my Uncle Mark that were around a lot. Uh, My great-grandmother was a huge part in the reason that I'm able to do anything that I do today, really, because she was the one that taught me everything before, way before I went to school. I was reading, writing, I was good with numeracy, so I was ahead of my, I was ahead of my years when I started at school, um, which helps because I left school, I stopped going to mainstream school consistently at 13, ended up in a PRU, tried to get back into mainstream education, but never really did, which is surprising considering how academic I was. I was never really creative. I couldn't sing. I still can't sing. I know how to write a song now. Um, uh, but I got offered the chance to sit the entry exam for St. Paul's Academy when I was leaving primary school, and I just went, I don't want to go there. That's, that's, that's not for me. And there was no higher education wasn't a part of my family. It never had been. So when I never pushed me down that road, she wasn't... You know, she 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 didn't force me down that road. Whereas most people hear that and go, "Well, what? Why? You know, why weren't you made to go?" Yeah, Such so an she, incredible she, so opportunity. She was quite like, although she was, she was know, a hard woman. Yeah, but, but she, she was, wasn't like pushing that. Like, I think she, what you're she meant knew, to do. Yeah, kind of thing. and because and I, she never made any any choices because she wanted the worst for me. Every decision she made for me was because she wanted the best yeah. for me, whether it was the right decision or not. Um, and I ended up, yeah, it's funny because I grew up wanting to be a lawyer or barrister. I've been in a few situations where I've needed. Uh, <laughs> both um yeah so yeah started selling smoking weed when i was really young it was i was i was really desensitized to it because it was normalized yeah where i was growing up you know you went when i left you know when i walked out that front door when i was like six or whatever to go and play out in the flats um in my estate it, I, I had to kind of fend for myself and i was lucky because some of the older kids knew my dad and they kind of took me under their wing which can be good and bad yeah, for sure. But I always try to yeah. show the respect that these people had. Like, I remember Chesty, he's been, he's not even allowed in this country now. He got deported after he served the long bird. Um, but I remember he, t- he, I took a cigarette off him and then my mum come through the flats going, Stephen! And he looked down at me and he went, I didn't give you that, you know? Like, that was the kind of, and he's a, he's a certified bad boys, you know what I mean? Yeah, but they yeah. still had a respect for elders, which I don't think exists as much now. Um, yeah. They were like the last of the, or maybe my generation, were the last of the old school. So w- was your mum kind of like 
a bit in and out like did you did see her like oh, she left i mean she was super young yeah, 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 exactly. she left was there like uh i don't know was there a dispute between your mum and her mum's mum about uh, i just i think like because my nan had brought up three kids on her own um my my uncle especially paul um he wasn't very happy with my dad not being there consistently he didn't consider him a man for walking out and not being there all the time but my dad had his own problems he wasn't a bad person he just made some bad decisions he wasn't a great father but he definitely wasn't a bad person yeah and, and so young mm-hmm. i think that is the key thing like yeah, yeah no but one really plans a kid like 16 17 and i i mean having like now that i'm a mother if that happened to me age 16 17 i can't even imagine what how, I've done. how is being a parent really fucked up <laughs> how scary is being a parent it's really 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 scary it, like I say the same thing that so many people say it is the best thing you'll ever do however I like I do think it's the best thing it's however do. like but nothing before the but means anything it's yeah. everything that comes after I don't know it's it challenges you on so many levels as everyone says and it is all the like the stereotypes of what people say like it's the best thing you'll ever do blah 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 but it's fucking hard yeah. it's really hard and like stupid stupid stuff like you know, I, I want to do a podcast with you mm-hmm. or like I, I want to and I'm like literally arranging so much stuff to make that happen. Yeah. And all I want to do is like just get on a train and come to London and like yeah. do a podcast. But it's like now I've got to make sure I've got cover for someone picking up Casey from his nursery. Got to make sure the nursery know that my dad's picking him up because it could be just some random dude coming to steal my kid. Oh, my got to make sure he's got the password. That doesn't even you know, bear thinking about. Yeah, it's a bit, you know, it's that kind of stuff where you're like it goes from. I just do what I want. Well, you're looking after, <laughs> do, yeah. Yeah, I'm really, and so it's quite a lot of pressure on, like, you know, I'm married now and it's a lot of pressure on, on a marriage. And my relationship with my husband is amazing. And we, we just one of the, we're just one of those couples that we don't argue. It's always been that way. We're really chill together. He does whatever he wants to do. I do what I want to do. We, we do so much stuff separately, which works mm-hmm. really well for us. But you throw a kid in the mix and it's like, I want, I want to go out though I've got a gig I want to go to and he's like yeah well I'm working late and I'm like I want to go to a gig like how can I how can we make this work yeah. and you just get so it's like not that. just looking after the new life it's also then having to manage the two lives that you had separately yeah and retaining your like fucking relationship that you yeah. really loved and you were really stoked on and independence being, yeah so, and yeah. the independence so it's it to me like yeah parenting is amazing but I can really uh, it sounds silly to say relate but I can understand for like someone who's 16 having that thrown at them and making it work really well. No, impossible. Near impossible. Yeah. Near impossible, I would say. Like I was really lucky, though, because if I think this is... I don't really like statistics. I prefer the people behind the numbers. But I think one, if you come from a disadvantaged background, it's one in every two homes are broken. But not every house has got a nanny ED, which I had. So when my nan was out working sure. from... Imagine what I'd have got up to earlier on if my nan if my great-grandmother wasn't there between the hours of 4 a.m. and 7 p.m. when my nan was out working. Yeah. I'd have got up to, do you know what I mean? Like that, that proper, <laughs> yeah. it, it helped shape, change, well, it helped, you know, that changed the course of my life having her there, but not everyone has that. No, like, it's true. Like, I I didn't have anywhere near that kind of uh, difficult upbringing, but my mum suddenly decided to leave when I was 17. Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm near near adulthood. The problem with being that age is that it goes from, like, you know, your parents are your parents to you're suddenly a counsellor to your mum and your dad because they're suffering depression because the marriage has fallen apart. Yeah. And yeah, my mum just literally walked out. So my dad's in this like horrendous headspace and I won't like go too personal about it, but he was not in a good place. Mm-hmm. He did not see this coming. Yeah. So my dad's like fucking God knows where. He's off, he's off out, like having a terrible time. My yeah. mum's left. So I'm just at home with my brother. Like, how have I gone from like this like beautiful family, this like family life where I thought 
nothing could hurt it. Yeah, and you're so, at an age where you understand everything. So yeah. I think at a younger age, you do yeah. still feel things because you take it, you take people's emotion on board. You can't help not, but you don't understand everything that's happening at 17. You must sure. have had a good grasp on what exactly you've gone wrong. Yeah, like, I think like no matter, I think I guess this is what I'm trying to say is no matter what age, it's shit and it, it yeah. sucks. And I guess when you're young, what you want is love. And the fact that you had two people there that loved you, it was obviously shit not having your parents, but mm -hmm. you had like that love yeah. there and they clearly, yeah, yeah. did love you. Because that's the thing, isn't it? You come out, and I said this recently, like you come out, you don't come out as a baby and want things. You don't want the watch, the car, the house, the anything. You just want nurturing. Yeah. But the problems start when that's taken away from you. Yeah. And then that's when, you know, detachment, abandonment and all these things that I've been looking into and they, it's kind of, some of this stuff becomes hardwired. I'm like, why am I anxious all the time? I've been anxious since I was a kid. How do I start undoing this? So and much you realize stuff how back far back yeah. all of it does. And you yeah. realize how far back you have to go to start putting the work in. And I think before I have kids, that was something I, before I had, you know, that's something I really, really wanted to do some work on because I don't want to, there's good cycles and bad cycles. And I'm part of a good cycle in the sense that I used to put my headphones on when I was stressed and unhappy and listen to music that made, you know, took me out of that space and listen to artists that were talking about things that related to what I was going through. But they'd put themselves in a position where they could do that and change their lives. And I guess without realizing, and it's only now I've really realized it, that inspired me to go on to do what I did later on in life. And that's yeah. a good cycle. Bad cycle is me not doing any work on myself, not being self-aware, having a kid with someone and doing exactly what my dad did. And I don't want to become part of a bad cycle. I, mean, I want to I wanna yeah. do, you know, I think a job as a parent really is to create a contribution, not or to raise a contribution, not a, a burden to society. I think you're so, no matter what, you're so aware of it that there's no way you're gonna, no, that's yeah. going to happen. Do you think you'll have kids? I hope so, yeah. yeah. I hope so. It really depends on, and I know you never know who the right person is, but yeah, how yeah. many people are with, you know, again, yeah. how many how many families are that, are that classic 2.4 children? You know, not many, not many families have that picture. And then you've got the other side of it. You know, I have friends who have both their parents who are much worse for it because they grew up around arguments and all sorts of stress that they, they shouldn't have just because they felt like they had to stay together. Yeah. There's no, I mean, there's just no, I, there's no concept of the perfect family. It just doesn't no. exist. I think you just have to work with what you've got. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, I want to leave it around to music, if that's yep. cool. Because, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, so I've watched some of your, like, battling videos from back in the day. Jesus. Yeah. That always reminds me of how old I am. <laughs> you're like, remember when we used to go jump off like I'm nine, not, nine hey, ten hey, years man, ago? Like, you're like, 83, I'm 87, yeah, so we're yeah. not far apart. No, okay. but then people are like, yeah, it was like eight or nine years ago. I'm like, think back further. It was, just, you know, I was 18, 19. Yeah, I know, and you don't realise how young you are. That's the thing that's weird. 16 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> what I was trying to say is that I was uh, in, a re in a really nice way, completely blown away, because I'm watching it from a perspective of like, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Like I come from a metal background, like yep. rock, and that's my that's always been my thing. But yep. watching that, and uh, I just a I don't get how you do it. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know if I could anymore. Yeah, yeah. So you, you you don't do any of that now, right? That's no, I like... don't really battle now. But then I still kind that's still that's still the principle when I walk in, when I walk in the studio. I don't often write stuff down unless I'm somewhere oh, where okay. I can't record. Although I'm bad for I've got over 24 hours of voice notes on my phone that I've never once gone through which is ridiculous because at the time I must have thought it was a good idea. <laughs> but most stuff I'm kind of like, if it's good enough, it will stick anyway. Yeah. Even if it's melody, it's, it's, yeah, it's weird. Sometimes I forget stuff and wake up and it's a waking thought. 
Where did it, it come from? Back. Where did you like suddenly like have this like ability to do it? It goes back to Nanny Edie. You know, it was reading together day and day, and I was always fascinated words. by words. And then yeah. and I can tell I'm doing. I'm, I'm I'm in a creative space at the moment because I do that annoying thing where I'm having a conversation with someone. Someone will say something, or I'll say something. And I'll be like, "That's good." And then I just zone out, and I'm in my phone writing down and writing a note as to what it relates to to try and give it context. So when I go back to it, otherwise it's just like this strange string of words, and I'm like, "What the hell was I thinking at that time?" <laughs> and then I'm back in the room um but like i just take stuff from everything at the moment i'm really really just absorb it. absorbing which is like are you does that make are you like happen. a reader you, do you read or is i it used to read i used just... to read a lot more um but i haven't for years read consistently which is is good and bad but then it's hard to if i'm trying to put stuff out it's hard having so, too many streams of information which is why i think phones can be the devil somewhat yeah constant stimulus when actually i did something recently um, the program was called In Solitary, where I was in a shipping container for as long as five days. I won't spoil the program by saying how long I was in there for. Um, and all I had is a pen and a pad, and there was no human interaction. There was no books to read. All I could read was what I wrote, but it was really good because it made me think about a hell of a lot. And once you get past thinking you're bored, you realize that actually you're just not constantly stimulated, yeah. which is something that we should all practice. For sure. But you, you, must, you must remember times without phones, right? Because I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't do, have a yeah. phone until I was 14, but yeah. it's been a huge burden for the last god knows how many years and this you know it causes me like when i if i look at my phone i've got most of my notifications turned off and that's not because i'm single and being sly it's just because yeah it, it scares me like if i get if i look at my phone and i've got 46 messages i'm like like yeah, I, do you know what yeah. I mean I get that feeling yeah, of like yeah, yeah. oh god the stress, the, the and then you go through them and it's yeah. like no one's actually phoned me you know people get annoyed bump into you I whatsapped you why haven't you replied why haven't you picked up the phone Yeah. what's wrong with having a people it's like people are scared to talk on the phone nowadays yeah definitely but let alone have a face to face <laughs> conversation yeah I, th- I, th- I guess like the way I the way I deal with social media is like A, a I'm one of these people that I just take positives from it and I'm mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big like I, I talked about this on my last podcast but I'm very much like put in something what you get you know you put in what you what's it what's that phrase you get out what you, you, you get, get back what you, what you put in yeah yeah. that's what i'm trying to say so i look at it as a very positive space but i'm fully aware that it can be a very negative space and it can be a place of like bad energy and all mm-hmm. that stuff but i think the key thing that people Twitter need to do is full of negative See, I'm, not on, I'm not i'm not i don't really I'm go on, on it much it's literally yeah. just full of the most negative i can't believe i can't this remember when twitter it, used to be fun yeah this is why i'm not on facebook so yeah. i about six years ago or maybe seven i was on facebook for like three months and i was like this yeah. it was just people moaning yeah and it wasn't even real problems it was nah. like oh i went to sainsbury's and they were out of peas and yeah. you're like really or someone tweets I really? just fed my one well, i can't even remember who it was that, that said it but i just remember reading someone's tweet saying i just fed my dog i was just like <laughs> oh, i'm done <laughs> i can't be here anymore yeah and then some people use it like dear diary like that's not really the place to you know write 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 in a book next to your bed yeah, 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 for sure. But again, don't, like you said, like, the, the art of writing is yeah. uh, is getting lost. I think you just need to uh, put your phone put your phone down sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm my job is my it's it's like basically like Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm fully aware that like sometimes I need to like I put my phone upstairs. Yeah. Then I can't even hear it. Like yeah. when I'm downstairs in my house, I can't even hear it. So it just goes up there at night. Otherwise, I don't sleep well. Yeah. Like I get like proper like insomnia if I. If I work, sometimes obviously I have to work till like, you know, 11 at night and mm-hmm. like edit stuff or whatever. I always sleep badly that night. Yeah. You know, because you've got that that screen kind of feeling yeah, in your yeah. eyes, you know. It's, stim- it's, yeah, it's stimulus. Definitely needs to yeah. uh, just be put down. We started on music. 
and ended up talking about mobile phones. Yeah. <laughs> but this is where everyone consumes it now. That's the weird thing about music. You know, well, I used to buy yeah. a CD and this is just like me. I was all going high in our day. Um, <laughs> I remember going through booklets the and reading all the, thank, all the thank yous. <laughs> no, but it, everything has changed. So it's weird coming back now. So from the music that I did release to the music that I'm about to start releasing and the way the way things are consumed now is, is all different. YouTube streams are about to start counting towards the charts. Spotify plays and, and you know, all these things that when on my last cycle, our streaming had just started and I think we were number one in the midweeks and by the end of the week, we were number four thanks to Calvin Harris and two other high streaming records. Mm. Still haven't but given him. <laughs> um, you know, but, but we sold more physicals than the next top, than the three records ahead of us, but they had more streams which counted yeah, towards their sales. Okay, and yeah. I was a bit like, should it really? But at least, I mean, yeah, at least times are changing and it's going to, you know, become a normal thing yeah i i miss the days of like every generation says it you know like walking into a shop and buying the cd yeah i remember like writing down in my like school diary dates when albums were going to come out yeah so i could be there the day that it came out yeah yeah but everyone's got every generation has but now they've got their drop day everyone knows at midnight on a thursday that everyone they're going you know they're going to sleep late because drake's got a new album coming out or Florence and the Machine has a new record yeah. out. So you're still, you know, whatever music you listen to, you kind of know, and unless someone does that abstract thing and drops on a Tuesday because they're cool, um, <laughs> that, you know, midnight on a Thursday is when new music's going to come out. But I guess the key thing, the positive thing, is that it hasn't stopped people from making music. It hasn't, and it hasn't stopped people from listening to music. Yeah, I think that, more than ever, people like... are engaged. Like, I went to Wireless Festival this weekend, and just seeing the, how engaged the youth are in the music is incredible. Because it wasn't, and it's, is that it's, quite a young festival then? Overall? It was quite a young festival. Yeah, yeah there was, there was, uh, yeah, I'm younger than unless I, I'm starting to like just forget what people look like at like eighteen. I, I'm, to be honest, like, I'm really bad at judging ages yeah. now. That I see like seventeen year olds, and I'm like, you look about twelve. It's crazy. I do, <laughs> like, but I still do university gigs. I've been doing the same universities for the last eight years. The summer balls and you know yeah. freshers parties and stuff, and I swear they just look younger every bloody year just us getting older yeah, it is just us getting oh, older sorry to but be the you'll turn, bad you'll t- news. T- it's not bad news you've turned it to getting older is copying it so i'll exactly. take getting older exactly like pma man <laughs> um like when i was growing up a big huge thing for me was like getting into metal and getting into rock and stuff and i read that you did some is it rollerblading or yeah is it so it's aggressive inline skating which is yeah. like the less cool the cousin of skateboarding um, but I was explaining, right, to my lovely management guys who are far too young, mm-hmm. like, to be honest, that's ridiculous, um, how cool that was. My husband did it as well. My husband yeah. was born in 83 yeah, yeah. and he he did it as well. Okay. It was such a big thing. Whereas now we look at it as like it wasn't cool, but it yeah. was actually no, cool it was at the cool. time. Well, do you know what happened is once you got to a certain level, because I was really good, um, not as good as some, but some of my friends carried on skating and they're still trying to get me out on skates now. I've still got a pair and I'm like, but you lot have kept on skating. So your bodies are still kind of conditioned. If I fall over, yeah. funniest thing was I was having this conversation the night I left the ground show and then actually fell over. If I fall over now, <laughs> it had nothing to do with all the tequila um <laughs> but now and i said listen if i fall over it's not that i won't get back up it's just it will take me a bit longer and it will hurt yeah and it it did when yeah. i felt and i didn't even have skates on i just tripped over my lace <laughs> literally just tripped over my just tripped it's over a, my it's lace a better story walking down brewer street yeah <laughs> but no what skates. happened it was we became friends with the skateboarders at that kind of at, when we got to that point where we were really good and we all got on we just hated bmx's Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Still that hate BMXs. Really? Still? Yeah. A lot of skateboarders BMX now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Like I think it's like definitely like become a thing. Like where 
I don't know, that whole kind of scene, everyone, like, it could be because I'm an outsider kind of looking in. Mm -hmm. um, but they do seem to, like, kind of get on. It was really like, good for me. To, like, it was good for me because I had to, it kept me out of out of trouble for a little while. Got me into a different type of trouble, but not bad yeah, trouble. Yeah, Whereas yeah. growing up where I grew up, there was everything on my doorstep to get involved in. It was naughty. And skating kind of took me out of that. Uh, for a little while, anyway, until you know, I hit sixteen and discovered well, girls. Yeah, and I mean, sixteen, everything weed changes. And, yeah, so, yeah. Um, I think it changes for everyone, no matter where was, you live. It was just funny because I used to listen to all, all kind of, like because most skate videos at that point were American. There was stuff like No FX, Blink One Eight Two, Nirvana, and all this music that I would have otherwise been unaware of, and been considered a grunger had I have told anyone that I listened to it but yeah, I did via skating yeah I kept it quiet because <laughs> it was always like gr like grungers and townies and like well no see there was no townies because uh, you're from Wilkins so we had yeah. rude boys ah uh, okay we there was townies. no chavs where I grew up either it was, uh, okay. you, you were a rude boy well chav this very chav hadn't, hadn't entered when I was younger mm. it was townies and it was like apparently God, from Chatham apparently originated in Chatham I can't tell you oh, any really? more than that I'd have to google it again but you oh, can't okay. believe everything you read on google though. well no um, or Wikipedia. Yeah, it was for sure. Like, if you liked anything, like, you know, in either way, you did not cross. Yeah. You know, there was... I just couldn't be a grandeur in my ends. I would have got bullied. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you think if uh, you'd have grown up in a different area, it could be different? Yeah, completely. But what, what I think is amazing now is, and, and I think the internet's largely responsible for this as well, is that there's so much crossing over of subcultures that it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You know, you'd... I love that. Yeah, yeah. proper. Like, Supreme's a skateboarding brand. Then you're as likely to see someone from my ends wearing Supreme as you are someone who lives in... Supreme's a really good one to touch on, actually, yeah. because I have friends of mine who are, like, in their 40s and they remember Supreme as, like, just when the most badass out. skating company. Yeah. And they still... They really struggle to get their heads around the fact that, like, they did a collaboration with Louis Vuitton. Yeah. The fact that there's a queue around the corner for Supreme yeah. and they're like, what the fuck? But then it's like, I find it <laughs> difficult because it's, it's kids who, because of the, its place in the market now, but they still do a lot for, you know, they still do a lot of charity work. They just gave 50 grand to the South Bank. Um, yeah, the thing, Trying yeah, to keep yeah. that running. Like, they're, they're a really good organisation um and company but they're, they they can't help they're they're almost a victim of their own success but it's the kids have access to it the young skateboarders that don't come from much that only really have skateboarding have access to supreme not not really unless they get really good and then supreme see them Absolutely, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but like yeah like you said i'm really i also i was something i wanted to touch on was i think it's so cool that it has become a thing where yeah you can go and listen to Blink One It Two, but then it's cool if you're listening to Drake as well. Yeah. And I think that's awesome because there and was I like of how stuff. there's a crossover in the influences in music yeah. as well. You've got this whole like SoundCloud rap genre which I wasn't even aware of because I've been so so it's I mean uh artists like um Juice World and XXX Temptation who passed away. Um and it's quite you know, he Triple X said, you know, um Nirvana was his favourite band and you can really hear, hear the kind of you know the kind of skaggy guitar riffs in his music and yeah. you wouldn't have really had that back in the day and you and, and even if you did you probably wouldn't have said people, it yeah and they talk and it, you know they talk in their music about stuff that the people i mean it's, it's a lot more you know they're a lot more open about their emotions and their anxieties and their stresses and a lot of people in rap which people often just consider to be full of bravado and and showing off i think within the industry though it's kind of like to me, I, I yeah, I could be wrong. I'm no like music guru, but like from the outside looking in, like there's been, you know, hip hop and some of the you know some of the old school hip hop and like old school metal. There's always been some sort of like mutual respect there, mm -hmm. you know, where they're like, I like what you're doing, I like what you're doing, you know. I think and there's you... some real similarities between yeah. you know punk and what Graham's doing now, and it's that social commentary, it's anti-establishment, yeah. and there's a real energy which people often make the mistake of of 
calling it aggression. You know, it's aggressive. Look at these people. Look, and there's so many mosh pits now. What? At, you know, wireless was mosh pit, mosh pit, mosh pit. Really? Yeah, wireless? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's but that's the energy. Yeah, and yeah. And what what yeah, better way to get? Well to it. Yeah, yeah, but what better way to get the energy out? Yeah, no, I completely. At least agree. there's an outlet. Yeah. And it's where everyone comes together, and there yeah. isn't any violence. Yeah. So, I know, I you know. know. But I think that's where it's, it's But it's how it's painted in the media is... It's different, yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's always been that way. Like, you know, again, like coming from a really alternative background, if I was at like a Marilyn Manson show and there was a massive mosh pit and like a kid got hurt, it was... Obviously, it sucks. A kid got hurt. Like, no one's like mm. stoked about that. But it's just kind of, again, it's like everyone's letting out their energy and it's not negative energy. It's just everyone's so excited to be there. Yeah. And it can look violent to someone who doesn't on the outside understand. looking in. Yeah, who yeah. doesn't understand it and is in fear of it. And it's very easy to be in fear of it, you know, yeah. and to look at it like, what the And also life stressful. Like a lot of people's lives are not that happy and to have a place where they can go and forget about everything for that period place. of time. Yeah, yeah the th- this is the thing I loved uh, being a kid, like going to a show and I felt like the black sheep at school. And then you'd go to a show and you'd be like, holy shit, there's like 2,000 people and I feel, fit in yeah. feel, and I fit in and everyone feels the same and this is amazing and it, yeah it's such a like a positive energy um, yeah do you have any do you have any shows that like stand out for you when you were younger did you get to go to, to many 2009 no so I never really went to shows before I started performing to be honest really first time so you I didn't have f- like a frame of like no nah, first time I went to a festival was um, I was going to say Reading it might, it might have been Reading actually and Mike Skinner was performing and there's an infamous video of example, absolutely off his nut, um, on Beats TV. So check that one out. <laughs> just search, just search Beats TV, okay. Reading, um, and yeah, example is definitely a little bit worse for wear. Um, but yeah, I think one of the first festivals I went to, if it wasn't Reading, was probably um, oh, I can't remember what the one in Clapham was called, but uh, the label I was signed to, Mike Skinner's record label, had a whole tent there, and I, I performed at it. And so I got into gigs quite late on. I mean, I used to go and see certain rappers when I was in my sort of late teens and early 20s. I remember seeing um, Prodigy 2009 at Brixton Academy, and that's a standout gig for me. That That's my favourite gig that I've ever been okay. to. The energy of that show was insane. Yeah, that's, that was bound to be a good one. Yeah. 2009 as well. And I was like, own. I want to sell out Brixton Academy, and I want it to feel like this. And we did it eventually. But it took, that was a long build, whereas now people are coming out, and this is what I talk about, like kids being engaged in music. Like Artists are coming out having one single that performs well, and all of a sudden they're doing Bricks and Academies, which is insane. Yeah, yeah. And now people can actually make proper livelihoods out of this now. That was a long, hard graph for me to get to Bricks and Academy. Now you can do it off the back of one single. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Or, or there's also, <laughs> you know, there's also the the, the idea though that, that you know, that, that I suppose the other angle is they haven't done the 700 gigs to four people that we all did beforehand. That you know, kind of prepares. The problem you is going to be yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. The problem is going to be their mental state of going from like they're literally in the know, bedroom. Yeah, they're in the bedroom. They're recording. They have no idea what it's like to deal with fame or everything that comes along with it. And then suddenly they're out there on the stage at Brixton. Yeah. Brixton's one of my favourite venues. As it's, well. Yeah, it's my favourite London venue. I, I love it. You can like, as a you know, as someone watching and being in the audience, you can see, you can hear. Yeah. You go to some venues like like Hammersmith Apollo, and I just feel like I can't see any. I can't see. Yeah. I'm five foot two. <laughs> <laughs> I just, wherever I stand, I'm like I can't see Brixton. I'm like I know where to stand. I know how to get to the front. That's when you got to get in shoulders. Huh? That's when you got to get on shoulders. Well, I always wear um, like five inch heels when okay. I go to a show, like with the platform. That helps. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can like stomp my way through. Kick to me, there's no the like, I hate going to a gig. I, I recently saw Nine Inch Nails at the Royal Albert Hall, which is amazing. 
However, uh, the seat, the standing That's ticket. That's quite the juxtaposition. Yeah, man, it was awesome, absolutely awesome. But the uh, the standing sold out really fast, yeah. and I was on the internet, fucking in this queue for two hours, and I finally got tickets, but they were seated. Obviously, you don't actually sit, no. but it still feels like I was like up against like the balcony bit, just like trying to get to the front, even though it's obviously impossible. Mm. And if you fell over, you'd probably have hurt yourself. Probably would have hurt myself yeah. quite badly. But yeah, there's that feeling of like you just want to stand and like get yeah, to the yeah. front, and yeah, it was yeah, it was really cool and an it unusual. Kind of scares venue. me, at Brixton, when you're on stage and you're looking at the circle up, the upstairs again, the, the seated bit, but no one's seated and no they're jumping seated. as much as the people are yeah, downstairs yeah. it does scare me i'm like is someone gonna it's just, that's a long way to crowd though yeah i mean it probably has happened before. <laughs> <laughs> but not one of my gigs thanks <laughs> thank god i think well i think it's like i mean so many awesome bands have played there and it's such a diverse area i remember i didn't go i was too uh well too young at the time but i think placebo played there in the 90s and because brixton was the area that it was in the 90s mm-hmm. Yeah, is that happening? I grew up. Yeah, they were. There was a lot of uh, beatings that night because yeah, of the, yeah. the, the the crowd outside. They were okay. super alternative, yeah. like boys dressed as girls. Placebo's version of "Where Is My Mind," the Pixie song. Oh, I haven't heard that. It's incredible. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, have to look that up. I actually that kind of, that half led to me um, sampling the Pixies for my second album for a song called "Spinning Out" that I did with a guy called Fink. F I N K. That's not just me speaking how I normally do. <laughs> it's actually an F, not a T H. Um, but yeah, no, that's that. I, yeah, that's a song that I love. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, it's cool that you've got such a a broad range of music taste. Mm. I really like that. That's yeah. I mean, I should probably up my rap game because clearly I know fuck all about rap. <laughs> don't, don't feel like you have to. <laughs> right, let's talk tattoos because yeah. I've got a lot. Yeah, I've got a few. You've got a few too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay, I I never I never ask questions about tattoos. So for me, this is like really weird territory. Yeah. I, I forget I've got them. Yep. It's only in summer, like today. I don't know why. There's maybe there's like a negative energy today, but I've been looked up and down in not the best way today <laughs> <laughs> by some older ladies who oh, clearly right, are not appreciating yeah. my leg tattoos. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like normally I've. I get, like, these days, they did not used to be this way. I can stress that. But these days, the response is really positive. Yeah. used to be very negative. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I definitely got some looks today. Well, it used to be the dark art, didn't it? It was so alternative. Whereas now... Everyone's got... You're more... It's rarer. It's more rare to to not not have have, one. Yeah. Yeah, You're in the... Yeah. It's really weird. So, how did you get into it and why? Um, (laughs) I got my first... I'd I'd always wanted a tattoo, but I never quite knew what I wanted. I didn't get my first tattoo until I was 24. Um, obviously, it was a big part of the culture that, or the subcultures that I was a part of growing up. I was a part of growing up. Um, first one I got was the one when my dad passed away, and then I got my my crazy professor with all these chemical jars and the spliff hanging out of his mouth that I can't wait to explain to my children when I have them. Um, I've got um, I've got loads everywhere. Like some of them, like that's just a, uh, from a Japanese artist whose art I really like. Lucky Tattoo is quite a prominent one for me. Yep. <laughs> Damien Severa done that full crumb tattoo on Instagram. Um, and the only place you can actually see it in its, in its full glory is the Upper Clapton dance video, which was made two weeks before, just after I got the tattoo and two weeks before I got bloody stabbed in it. It is um, ma- it is me- like I'm just, I know you that story, rehash that story just, yeah, so many yeah, yeah, times, yeah, but, but it, it's still mad. It, gets, it, is, it, does, mental. it is crazy. It yeah, is a tattoo mental. that says "lucky" and then gets stabbed in your yeah. neck, which is the what one of the worst places to get stabbed, yeah. and then to walk away from it. Um, and then two, but like very painful. Experience. I mean, I've got my neck done, as you can see. Yeah. Uh, and I found that I think it's up there as my most painful. Really? Yeah. Mine's my bicep and my calf. 
biceps mm, and calf, like oh on no, the inside, no, on the outside's fine. Outside's oh, fine, yeah, yeah. forearms fine, but yeah. on the inside there, it's no. just no. I mean, how long like did it. the lucky one take? Lucky one wasn't that long. I think it was about three and a half hours. No, that's long. Whereas my head, my <laughs> head. But the thing is, you get, you know, as you get, as you get more tattoos, and the older you get, and the more familiar you get with having a tattoo, like I dread it now. Yeah, I've got stuff that I, I want to go. Gonna, and, I thought you were about to say the opposite. I've got stuff that I want to go and get, and I'm just like, yeah. oh man. This is how I feel. People Kelly ask me. Kelly Joe started a piece on my calf. Um, it's like a butterfly with two opposing skeleton, mirrored skeleton faces in it. And I sat for five hours and said, "How long to go, do you reckon?" She was like, "About an hour." I went, "Do you know what? We can finish it another time." I was just bored. I was like, yeah. I can't. I just this. You just get to a point where it's just yep. not as fun as yep. you know. And I don't know, maybe. There's, a, there's so many weird I remember hearing this woman we were doing a talk at, um, at my record label Sony about mental health depression and uh, amongst artists and people also working in the workplace um, you know on the industry side of music and talking about tattoos and she had this theory that it was all self-harm and I, I, I think there's there, there's a side of it that in, I think in some but then she would but her argument to me would have been but when did you get your first tattoo when your dad died and then you go, okay, I can see where you're going with I can see it. Where but she's going, there's but... also there's also a form of expression. And when you look into the history of tattoos and tribal tattoos, which yeah. I have none, unfortunately, because I was not a part of a tribe. I am definitely part of that club. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? There, there's a real there's a history, and there's there's still yeah. civilizations now that still practice them. You know, oh, have you ever, have you had any um? No, not. I've not, not had any. I, I want to get one, but it's meant yeah. to, that's meant to be quite fun. Yeah, not. but I think yeah, I think the the one good thing about that is um, yeah, there's no noise. There's not that horrible machine noise. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very good version of it that's, actually. Yeah. I if things it don't well. work out. You could, uh, could just yeah, just impersonate <laughs> <do that>. tattoos. <laughs> No, for me, it's really, really painful experience. I completely feel you. Like I'm exactly the same. Like now, getting tattooed, I'm like fuck that. I really kind of stopped when I was like 25. <laughs> when you were starting, <laughs> I mean, I got my first one 13, and it's quite big. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I haven't. So I haven't had a tattoo now for. I know it's only been a year, but before that, it was like three years, and I got my head done, and that was bad. I just because Callie was only it was Callie Joe, and she was only going to do the first um, one one side of it. And she did the right side. And I was like, but I've had my whole head shaved and you're going back to New York or Australia or wherever you're going to go and bloody tattoo and I'm not going to see you for ages. So let's just get both sides done. And she didn't even want to. She was like, it's a long time to, to tattoo. Yeah. It was like seven and a half, eight hours. Oh, no. But when I had to have the second side done, I obviously, I firmed the first side. I was all right. And then the second side, I had to turn and lay on the side that I just had done. I just nipped to the shop. I was at um, Lau Hardy's place. Um, and I just nipped to the shop next door, got a half bottle of Jack Daniels, and said, "Fuck it, let's crack on." <laughs> that is really not recommended, by the way, guys. No, no, but <laughs> it takes not. a little while to thin the blood, though, doesn't it? It's the night before. <laughs> if you go out on the piss the night before, you'll bleed a lot the day after. I've I've never actually, I've always gotten tattoos in like a like completely. No, I've never taken anything. No. Like I've never had a drink or no, taken numbing stuff. No, but people like to have numbing or... cream. It's like, well, what do you want the tattoo for then? Yeah, I've, I've never you had least, numbing cream. Does it you work? You kind of got to go for. I don't know. I've not. You're trying to get me. Esme, you're trying to get me to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really works. <laughs> I've not had any, no numbing cream. No numbing cream. I don't believe in it. I did, but then I, I don't know. Why would you make something? If you can make something hurt less, why wouldn't you? But I just think you only have to go through the pain once. And if you can't really go through the pain, then what are you getting the tattoos for? I, I just worry that it's going to affect the skin with the ink going in. Yeah. I have no idea. Like I literally have. I'm not a tattoo artist. Whatever. Yeah. But I would just. That's for my concern. And again, like things have, have changed. Have you ever so tattooed much. anyone? No, 
I'd love to nah. see. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I just, you know, sometimes people I've... are like, yeah, no, I just, someone gave me their gun. And... Oh, yeah, it's like my husband's done it. My, like, because we have loads of friends who are tattoo artists. Yeah. And like, yeah, when we're in this shop one day, and he was like, go on. And he did a little, like, I think it's a skull on my friend Dan <laughs> on his leg. <laughs> <laughs> Looks great. It's in there. He really oh, got it in God. there. Like, getting this, like, it's such, obviously, it's such a skill, but getting the right weight. Yeah. Have you held a machine before? Yeah, they're heavy. Yeah, and like getting that the right like level of like knowing if it's it is an go art. It is, it is a proper art, but there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there doing you know tattoos who shouldn't be doing tattoos. It is a whole conversation. Find in the itself. right artist. Yeah, like yeah, I can stress that enough. Do you get tattooed in London much? Like, it was sorry, was that like where you were getting tattooed? Yeah, lot, like around London. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There, this is the thing as well. If like if you're living in London, there's don't a go tattoo get, shop everywhere, but don't, yeah, don't just go, don't necessarily go to the one on the corner of yeah, your high street. Yeah, and don't go to a shit one because. There's so many good ones yeah, in London. But then people like, don't like waiting patience, isn't it? People don't like I'm to, paying. Uh, people don't like to wait, but I'm I'm happier to wait and get it done by the right person. Yeah, same. Well, like yeah, I mean back in the day when I could be asked to get tattooed. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting my hands touched up on Friday. I've never had mine touched up. I kinda like how so this was funny. So Damien Severo done the um neck piece lucky and then a few other bits on me i wanted him to do careless but i wanted it to look kind of timber and that's like a child's handwriting i really i was and saying earlier how him, much i like the careless it took like, him idea. so long because obviously as an adult you can't write yeah. like a child yeah so it took that was probably like <laughs> three hours of prep and then 10 minutes of work three hours of prep but just trying to get it so it just because if it's okay. an adult you i mean I, I've, my handwriting is quite childish to be honest i've got <laughs> shit handwriting but his isn't so it took yeah. him ages to just Get, yeah, it right. get it right yeah no my hands weren't much fun to be honest but they it's just like i i like the look of like some faded stuff but basically you can't really see in this light mm-hmm. but like this yellow and stuff is really faded out from the yeah. sun and you can see here where like some of the scabs came off people are always yeah, like know. how are you, how are your still the color they are and it's just because i'm basically transparent <laughs> I, I don't i don't i hide from the sun at all costs i'm no good in it like my face is actually quite tanned at the moment when i take my t-shirt off it's hilarious <laughs> Well, yeah, it is about sun cream though. If you're not pale, you just and also I'm 34. Like I'm not trying to accelerate things. Yeah, yeah. I I just I get the same questions a lot, and it's just sun cream. Like the sun is gonna suck out all the color. Yeah. And I really like. I'm the same. I like the look of like faded tattoos. Definitely works better for guys than girls though. I yeah. will say that. Like I'm I'm someone. Is this the whole age thing though? Every every woman thinks that men age better. Well, they they do. I'm that's just a fact. Okay. That is a fact. I'm sorry. Like you can't. I'm all about gender equality, but men definitely age better than women. <laughs> Would anyone like any water? Just for the people, at, just for the people, just for the people at home as well, because it just is a bit of a weird sound to start hearing in conversation. Oh god, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I won't go, won't go down that that like that massive road. But I yeah. do think men men look I'd better. I'd be really as they get scared older. about like I, I was always as a kid, you know, as a bloke because of how you behave and whatever. You're like, oh my god, I'd be really scared to have a daughter. I'm not now, but what I I would be scared of is just. The image that is kind of put into because there's it's a really one it's unsustainable and half the time it's not even how someone looks but there's all these p- images of women looking a certain way and I, I'd worry about young girls having you know all of the pressure of having to look a certain way when no one actually looks like that. Yeah, I mean I'm 30 and I can still feel it. Like I, I've had nothing like obviously I've had a lot of tattoos done but I've had nothing cosmetic done or yeah. whatever. And I really look at young girls have it done because dude, of the aesthetic. people are getting jawline stuff because of the aesthetic. Yeah, and I think that's crazy yeah but i the thing that i'm finding crazier about it is that sometimes you can tell the difference between someone that's had something done and sometimes you can't mm-hmm. like i i didn't know until i'm so naive but i didn't know until recently that like i keep looking at girls jawlines like damn they've got a great jawline and i'm like jawline's amazing why doesn't my jawline look like that then i'm like 
people are getting shit injected so that their jawline is more like refined. I didn't know. And uh, I, why didn't I? And know? you're not doing that for. You don't really do that for yourself. That's your insecurities projected onto someone else's perception of you. Yeah, I, I, th- I think really more. The, I think more the problem is like again, like you know, say like you were saying about having a daughter. It's more that even if you feel like I feel very comfortable with my own skin, you know, thirty whatever. But it takes a while though, didn't it? it? Takes a while, and also it's not just the pressure of like, oh, they look good in Vogue. Of course, they look good in Vogue. There's like a photo shoot. There's like they look good artists. on Instagram. They look good on Instagram. They look good walking down the street. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always in two minds about it because I'm. I'm very aware that like being tattooed is like a body modification kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I do consider it a bit different when the injecting stuff is just becoming so, so normal. Yeah. And it is kind of strange how normal it is. And it's, it's not really regulated as well as it should be. No. I, mean. I mean, the same way tattoos, I suppose. You can go to your mate and get a tattoo in his bedroom and yeah. go and get some Botox at the same time. Maybe it'll become like a thing people go and do. Tats and tops. <laughs> If that ends up anywhere, I'm coming for you. That is intellectual property. What have you got coming up? Um, what are you doing? So I start really once. When's this going to go out? Like, Tonight? Oh, sick. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> we're on. See, we are on. It is Tuesday, right? I lost, yes. mon- I lost Monday to a very severe hangover. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, so that's sure. what happens. Yeah. Old age. Um, it was a really severe hangover. Sun, that, that was sun of, and drinking. Because of wireless. That was wireless. Yeah. I blame gigs. Um... <laughs> No, I've got a single coming out this midnight. Yeah, I expect everyone to be staying up oh, late. No, 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 on Thursday. Ah, Remember, records sorry. come out on Friday now. Um, so midnight on Thursday, count on you. My next single comes out. The video will be out Thursday evening as well. Um, the first play is on BBC Radio 1 Extra on DJ Target show this Thursday. You are nailing this. Yep. Trust me. I've been do- hey, listen, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> no media training. Um, yeah, the media training to me wouldn't work. I'm no good at it. Yeah. No filter. Um, How are you feeling about it all coming out? I'm feeling really, really good, really excited, and we've got lots to follow up with. It's, it's really nice being ahead of ahead of things. Mm. So even though people don't know, I know exactly what's coming afterwards. And just getting in the studio, and every time I'm going to the studio, coming out with something is a really, really good feeling. Of being in that space again is is making me very happy in myself. Awesome. Yeah. Does that mean at all? At uh, all, yep. We're gonna we're we're shortly about to announce a London gig. Um, apologies to everywhere else we will be coming to see ya, but we're just doing one London show this year, and then next year we'll be touring the rest of the new music, and the album will be coming out next year. But that doesn't mean there's going to be any shortage of music between now and then. It just means that there's going to be a hell of a lot of music before the album. Sweet. And anything else you're up to? Are you doing any more? Is the documentary thing kind of like, well, the music is kind of like, it's, is that kind of priority now? Yeah, you feel, yeah, I feel like the music is a catalyst for it. always has been the catalyst for everything anyway. Yeah. It's opened up all the other doors to all the other things that I've done. And I just need to, like, that's my outlet. And as selfish as that sounds sometimes, and I believe in this, we all need to be kinder to ourselves. You're no good to anyone if you're no good to yourself. And yeah. that's my outlet. And that's where I feel you know, that's that's where my energy's going at the moment and it feels good. Yeah. So I'm just going to roll with it. And it, I don't want to dilute that with documentaries. I don't want to dilute documentaries with music. It'd be nice for them to run in tandem, but the only way they can do that is if I manage my time with the help of my manager, Jed, who's sitting right next to me. Um, which is difficult sometimes because you don't want to say no to opportunities. Yeah. But sometimes you have to learn to say no to things in order to concentrate on one. So music has my entire concentration awesome. at the moment.
well, you you'll have, you'll have been missed by so many fans as well for so long. So. No, but they've probably all sorted off and had kids now. Do you know what I mean? They'll be like, oh, I remember when I used to listen to him. I got to re- you know, I got to engage the youth now. But without, it's funny because they haven't. You know, we started off this conversation talking about the jump off and the, the old MC battles that I used to do. It's there on the internet, but they're not necessarily aware of me coming up one of the hardest ways to come up. Yeah. They just see me as the guy who made read all about it. So it's it's kind of re- you know it's just and I can't I can't just tell them my story they, I need to re-engage them with music so we're just starting off slow and, and letting people gradually get used to seeing my face about again and, and hearing yeah, my annoying whiny voice you'll be surprised how many people that are you know like bands I listened to when I was 13 that I still listen to them now I still yeah. get care so much when they tour yeah. like there are people that give a give a shit and you know they're give gonna, a fuck they're gonna be there. <laughs> 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 or if you can you know yeah <laughs> they're, they're you know they're gonna be there so yeah. sick thank you so much thank for coming you on. thank you Sammy. okay guys that's about it i had great fun today chatting with professor green I think we covered some topics that he hasn't really discussed before and yeah, it was just a lot of fun doing so. Don't forget to check out his single coming out on Thursday at midnight. Please rate, review and subscribe if you're into it and I will catch you next time. <laughs>